Welcome to High Gluttony. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Becca. And we're two ladies on an adventure. Listen along every 10 days or so as we cook a dish we like. Quest about cannabis education. Or chat with someone we respect. You can find more information about this episode at highgluttony.com. Thanks for joining us, Gluttoneers. Off we go. Here we go. I guess off we go. No, let's get to it. What do we say? Let's get to it. Okay. (laughs) I I don't know. I think we change it up. I think we do. Let's get to it and off we go. Oh, let's get to it is the beginning. And then off we go is the end. Okay. We've established now what our our thing is. The thing we say every time we start. Uh, Yes, exactly. Now we we know. A a year and over almost two years into doing this. And we had finally figured that bit out. Yes, we got something figured out. We know what we're doing still. Um, I see you lighting up a joint. I'm excited. What's ha- what are you smoking? So I, I finally decided to re-up my California medical card because all the dispensaries in Napa are medical. So you have to have a card. And the one that's actually close to my job is called Abide. And on their site, they have a handy dandy little thing where you can log into Nug with two Gs, MD, and get your card in like 20 minutes. It's very efficient. And as a result, I was able to get a delivery from my local dispensary yesterday. And I am enjoying these beautiful little tiny joints from High Rise. Love the name. I know, right? It's so cute. They are a <laughs> primarily CBD flower blend, but we tried one yesterday and it was excellent. Really nice and perky. It got me through some prep for today's episode. And I'm on board. I was so excited about how easy it was. So a lot of the states that do medical, you can get your stuff renewed online. You can do it in Nevada online. NugMD covers Nevada. And I was really excited to find that out. And it was super easy. The doctor just, you put in all your information and then you wait for the doctor. The doctor gives you a call and says, what do you need it for? said, I used to grow my own, but I had a really shit harvest last year. So I need a card. (laughs) what are you treating? Rheumatoid arthritis, anxiety, and depression. And he was like, okay, done. (laughs) So I am good to go now on my medical card for the next year. This is so funny because when you and I were texting earlier this week and you were telling me you were going to get a delivery and I told you that's perfect. I want to tell you the story of when we first got our card. It's because we did this, the NUG MD process in years ago in San Francisco. And what was so funny is because we were that week, I was like, I think I want to get a card. And then Saturday morning, we woke up and James was like, let's get a card today. And so we called, we did the whole thing. And for whatever reason, we couldn't remember the doctor's name, but it sounded like Asiago. So we always said, thank you, Dr. Asiago, every time we would go pick up cannabis, but I never used my NugMD gift card that I still have like a $25 credit because I never used the delivery. That's so uh-huh. funny. I, you're telling the story and I'm like, that was, I, that's exactly that's how I, I did it. Tell. <laughs> the story I was going to say. <laughs> the universe brings it together again. Right. But I didn't know it was in Nevada. So that's awesome too. I know I was surprised. I didn't pay a lot of attention, but I know I noticed that Michigan has it. Nevada has it. 
there's a couple other places, but I was like, this is awesome. And I, well, I was, I started doing it at like 1030 at night, the night before, but they were like, <laughs> all the doctors are out now. And I was like, that makes sense. You're like, actually, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. I might not trust the 24 hour doctors. You don't want a 24 hour doctor, <laughs> right? I want my doctor let, to rest. Let them sleep. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad you had a good experience. I loved it too. Apparently we're totally on board with Nug. Nug MD, come sponsor our podcast. Abide, my local dispensary. <laughs> Abide, <laughs> the local dispensary, come sponsor our podcast. <laughs> or give us free shit at least. <laughs> free shit, please. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we are also drinking something similar but different today. Yes. What We're enjoying some port. And it's kind of funny because I think when we were talking about this, I thought we would be recording later in the day. It's 1130 a.m. And <laughs> sipping on some red port. <laughs> I did think about that. It's like, oh, port first thing in the morning is going to be rough. But then I didn't have any red. I only have white because mm. I love a Porto Tonico. Mm. I would love a little bit of a port because I did go out last night and have a Porto Tonico. So I've had white port in the last 24 <laughs> hours, but I can never have too much white port. Oh, it's so good. I know. I remember when you turned me on to that and I was like, you do what? There's a yeah. white what? And then you put what in it? <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and it's so good. Oh, so you're smoking a high rise joint. I'm enjoying a blackjack pen. And this has a lot of terpenaline and osamine, which... I think I'm saying right, but I don't know if I'm saying any of these right actually anymore. I keep hearing them pronounced differently, all the terpenes. And I'm like, am I saying it wrong or are you saying it wrong? And then it's got some CBD and CBN. So I'm really enjoying it. It's a sativa, I believe. And so I'm jamming. I'm ready to chat. We're going to be, this is a talking episode. We are doing a chef quest about the mother of the uh, Toll House cookie. Ruth Graves Wakefield. Ruth Graves Wakefield, we love you. Or as I put uh, down here, the perfectionist PR bad bitch. Right? <laughs> she was. And when we say the Toll House cookie, we now just know that as the chocolate chip cookie. So she was the first person to introduce the chocolate chip cookie to the world. It's pretty exciting. I mean, that's pretty that, exciting. It's just interesting to think about. You would never think from reading the beginning part of her life that she would become known as the mother of the chocolate chip cookie. She's what brought this into the world. Right. She made, invented the chocolate chip cookie. I mean, it's what? It's wild. It's wild. <laughs> she did have a lot of like local publicity or fame because of the cookie, but she was well known for her lobster recipes at the time. They did say that in particular, her lobster recipes and then her like New England style traditional foods and desserts were also, well, quite well known. But her her real claim to fame is the, the cookie, the chocolate the, chip cookie. The Toll House chocolate chip cookie. So let's get into... Our Ruth here. She, we're talking about New England again. This is about 50 years after Fanny was born. So, same area, same food situations happening. And she was born in 1903. Her name with the, at, at birth was Ruth Jones Graves. She was born in June. So, Gemini. We got two personalities going on here. <laughs> oh, that explains the lying, right? <laughs> the good PR. Yeah. The good PR. Um, <laughs> 
And she did live until 1977. We were almost alive in the same time. (laughs) So she was from East Walpole, Massachusetts. And she grew up in Easton for all of our Boston area fans. She went to Oliver Ames High School, if anyone knows where that is. And then graduated from Framingham State Normal School Department of Household Arts in 1924. Because home economics is the only field with real science to it that most women could get into at the time. If you wanted to have any kind of science education, most women went into home economics because the men were still keeping us out of most things. Those fucking assholes. As my shirt says today, and we can thank my favorite murder for toxic masculinity ruins the party (laughs) again. (laughs) And we've just replaced Homex now with like Uber Eats or Postmates. We don't (laughs) do anything anymore, but it did hold a really valuable place. Homex is an important part of our history, and I wish it was still as important in today's like school curricula. But she also kind of similar to Fanny went on to work as a hospital dietitian. And then eventually was the like director for a utility company. I missed the the part about her being, wait, what was she first? She was a A hospital dietitian. Hospital dietitian. It's like nurse, nurse. That's a nurse, right? (laughs) I I missed that part. I did did see the part about her being a director of a utility company. That was pretty impressive. And then she married a man named Kenneth Donald Wakefield in 19... 28 or 26, I saw conflicting dates. So somewhere in the late 1920s, she got married to this Kenneth man and he worked in management at a meat packing company. So it's like their two career paths and positionings were really aligned for them to become what they did next, which was the innkeepers. It's very exciting. And having that experience of working in meat packing probably contributed to some of the culinary stuff as well. They were ready. They were primed. They didn't even know that this is what was going to be next, but you never know where your path's going to take you. So they had two kids and we don't care about that. So <laughs> then <laughs> I mean, it's nice for them, but it's nice. They were they weren't famous. They they did not go down the same career paths as their parents, so they are inconsequential to our current story. They have one sentence in our in our purview so far, but I'm sure they're lovely people. In 1930, she and her husband bought, they took their life savings and purchased a Cape Cod style house just outside of Whitman, Massachusetts in Plymouth County. And this was on the road from New to Boston. They made it an inn, called it the Toll House Inn. And then I think this is probably Gretchen's favorite part. It is my favorite part because I pointed out that this is fiction. It is a total, they totally made up the fact that this was ever used as a toll house. They just bullshitted their way through it. So they just started telling people this house had been built in the 1700s and functioned as a toll house on this heavily trafficked road between New Bedford and Boston. And it always hosted people like you could rest there and get food and no, all fiction. I mean, you got to give her props for the PR because people ate this up, became intensely popular and thus being a badass PR bitch. (laughs) 
it was the thirties and she came up with all this stuff. She knew how to market. Mm -hmm. There's a quote that from the prologue of her book. And it says in August of 1930, Mr. Wakefield and I bought a lovely old Cape Cod house built in 1709 on the outskirts of Whitman, Mass. At one time it was used as a toll house where passengers ate, changed horses and paid toll. It was here that we started our inn, calling it the Toll House. I don't know that they necessarily even called them Toll Houses at that time. So totally fiction, like Gretchen said. They decorated the Toll House in a traditional style, and the restaurant was pretty small at first, so it was an inn, and then they also had this restaurant component that became super important. And at first, they only had seven tables, and they could only seat about 30 to 35 people. But then they would go on to eventually have 61 tables. Well, because they built it out. So like they started with this small building, and then they added on, and they added on, and they added on. And they made this room, which I love. I just love this part because, of course, it involves plants. <laughs> right. Where they built a room around a tree and called it the garden room. That must have been so beautiful. I just, I yeah. love the whole concept. This lady she is she's something else (laughs) she's something else I know that reminds me there was this restaurant in San Francisco on Clement Street and I can't remember the name of it but it had a big tree in the middle of it that was live and growing and it had the best mac and cheese and I cannot remember the name of it I feel like it was on third and Clement or something Q Q restaurant Q it was called Q restaurant Okay, I haven't been there. I feel like there's this place called A24, but I don't know if that's even in remotely the same area that I felt like had a tree in it as well. But her legacy, her tree legacy lived on into San Francisco, 2000, you know, five, 10, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure she's not the only person to ever do that. <laughs> no. So, I mean, it's just, Probably I, li- I like that detail, but it's not necessarily that I'm giving her credit for that entire idea. <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure people have been building around nature for a long ass time. <laughs> totally. Well, I think too, with the, the garden room, the, so that tree's in the middle. And then I think it said that it had all like windows around it that looked out to a year round lush garden. So peaceful. It just sounds so relaxing. And not just for the aesthetic, though. She was really, she was really known for her lobster. That is the number one thing they talk about in most of the articles you come across is that when she, when they had the restaurant, the lobster was one of their main calling cards. What's the word I want? Staples. Their shape. It was one of their specialties. Specialties. Yes. Mm -hmm. One of their specialties. Mm, I want lobster. She did end up publishing a book called Well, they think maybe it was self-published and it was called Ruth Wakefield's Recipes Tried and True, which I think is just some set up. Like I've practiced. Here you go. (laughs) I did see other articles that stated that she had self-published up until the seventh edition. And then that was when it was picked up by actual publishers. Cool. And that was around the same time that the cookie recipe was included in the book. Very cool. So it got picked up by Little Brown Publishing and a couple of others, and then ended up having over 30 revisions and reprints. I did work on trying to get a copy, but I was looking too late in the week and it wouldn't have got here in time. I won't be surprised when you get it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Tried and true. The recipes are tried and true. I know. I know. She tested them. I get it. We got to see what she said. Continuing their myth of it being this big place where people stopped and celebrated, they would hold big events and 
have a bunch of celebrities or influential people, politicians. Mm -hmm. I just want to mention that at one point, the it was reviewed by Duncan Hines, who I had no idea wasn't someone really necessarily related to baking. He was more well known in his lifetime for being a writer. Maybe you have to talk about him at some point. I always thought Duncan Hines was like two last names. That's what like, I thought too. Yeah. So I actually have to look to see if that's connected, but I would assume that, that it is considering he was considered a really big authority on food, but he's like, he was kind of a famous food critic at the time, writer. And yes. And so he reviewed the Toll House. Loved her, it. Okay. Yeah. Promoted her okay. very, very efficiently. I wanted to read this quote I saw about the level of attention to detail and her expectations of service at the Toll House. The service was elegant. The appointments superb with real linen and silver and handsome place plates echoing the table decorations. A large hook was provided under each table corner for hanging my lady's purse out of the way. Keeping the place looking that way was a chore, said a former waitress. Every napkin had to be folded perfectly. The entire wait staff had to work without paper, committing orders to memory. So she invented the purse hook? I guess. Like casually thrown into this quote like it's no big deal but it's such a fucking game changer i know i was also i also wrote she's like oh shit she's like that with the committing the orders (laughs) to memory thing totally i see both sides but i'm also a person who just like if i'm going to a casual restaurant i don't care but if i'm going to a very nice restaurant i want the service to be impeccable Yes. It's just not a skill that everybody can have. But Mm -hmm. I think also when you like have a restaurants historically had a smaller menu and like it really was seasonal. So you only had a a certain number of things really that probably were available. So it probably was a much easier menu to know what was going on. Probably it was just like lobster and rice. You know, they weren't describing things the way that Sometimes you have that happens now at some restaurants with like all this poetry and like description and stuff. So, but I would want to eat there. I would definitely want to eat at the Toll House. I came across a quote about like some article that was written about it, and that the person who authored the article was astounded because he was like, This is because it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. Mm. I mean, not entirely, it was definitely in a spot where there. Like it would be great for people who are going between towns. He was like, so they'll have a few tables for lunch. No, absolutely packed. Every table packed full. And there was an hour wait for tables. Oh my God. So in the fucking thirties, in the thirties, like, in the middle of like nowhere lunch now. Yeah. <laughs> That's standard for almost every restaurant. That's so impressive. And it just goes to show, like you said, like her PR skills, her talent, her background of home ec, so science, food science really means that she's she's not only bringing her skills to the table and making things better, she has the opportunity to perfect things and test things. And that's why like, I think the first like real written date of the publication of her, of her book was 1937. So she'd spent seven years building up these recipes and she had a packed house to try it in or a packed restaurant before that published version was picked up. Mm-hmm. One of the notable things that they talk about in a few articles is that they were robbed at one point. The robbers took all of Ruth's jewelry, rude, 
and three hundred dollars or two hundred in cash. Sorry, whatever yeah. that was at the time. But We're not four thousand dollars. No, you're not here for money conversion, people. You're no. here for food. Okay. <laughs> It was more than it is now. But sadly, because I did have this thought about, oh, maybe we could go see it at some point. Uh, It was destroyed on New Year's Eve in 1984 and was not rebuilt. So the building is totally gone. 1985 was too overwhelming. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Not ready to move into a new year. I knew that feeling this year. (laughs) So we can never go see the Toll House as it was. But maybe what we do is our high gluttony compound is the toll house or something. (laughs) We could pay homage. We could do that. The Garden Inn in honor of her tree room. So I'm going to read this last quote about her instructions on cooking. And then I want to hear your thoughts. Flavor your cooking with ingenuity. Don't be afraid to add a pinch of this or a dab of that. Taste as you create. Add nuts where they're not expected. Vegetables, for instance. Add herbs to meats. Spices to cakes. I kept reading and I very much honed in on the fact that Ruth is a perfectionist. And Mm -hmm. she did spend a lot of time and talked about how much time she took to make sure she got her stuff right. So I can't decide if she'd hate how we cook. (laughs) We're so willy-nilly about it. Or... If she'd be like, yeah, you're fine. Cook with that ingenuity. It's great. Yeah, I think she'd appreciate our like creative spirit, but really get frustrated with us when we're like, that looks like the right amount. <laughs> oh, that in, that very important ingredient that we didn't read about until just this second. And now we don't have for this dish that it's like an integral part of. Okay, what are we doing instead? Oh, Should you mean we not- we're baking and we've used the wrong yeast the whole time? The whole yeah. time? I can't decide because it did seem like she was very... Exact. She probably likes my friend Sarah's cooking better than mine because she is exact (laughs) in her measuring. Good baker. She's a good baker. Well, all right. Speaking of baking, I think we need to get into the cookie. (laughs) The cookie. There are several different stories out there as to how this cookie came into being. There is some completely debunked story about it being totally an accident and she like spilled the chocolate into the cookies. Not true. But I don't think she dispelled it either necessarily. PR. She did. Yeah, she wanted to perpetuate any story that would help garner attention to what they were doing. It's she's so smart. Now it is said that she was inspired by either a trip to Europe or Egypt. The two the two main articles we used conflicted on this point. One said Europe, the other one said Egypt. She did like to travel. I mean, she worked ten months out of the year, ten a.m. to eleven p.m. and Ooh. then and then took two months off solid. Fair. Wow. Yeah. I don't want fair. to do that. I like a little time <laughs> off in between. We I'm are a three-day the... work week kind of proponent. <laughs> and then take two months off. It's also said that part of this was she had used this pecan cookie that they served with ice cream. And, you know, she's like, this cookie is good, but it, it just needs something. As a result of experimenting with various things, she ended up taking a chocolate bar and very, very exactly. So chocolate chips also did not exist before this cookie existed. This bitch invented chocolate chips. She's working on the pecan drop cookie, cutting up her chocolate bars into the same size, shape, everything. She's making them so exact, chopping up the chocolate bars. I don't even know how she did it, really. Right? (laughs) Weren't there be pieces everywhere? Little flakes and strips and what what is she? How is she? Magic. Magic. She's magic. Magic. That's what we decided. She's magic. (laughs) 
there's also mythology that she expected the chocolate to melt. And this is not a woman who makes mistakes, my friend. This is a woman who develops her mistakes into perfection. Like, it doesn't even start with mistakes, you know? (laughs) I love that. Develop her mistakes into perfection. Beautiful, Gretchen. (laughs) And I will not remember it in 10 minutes because I've been hotboxing in my closet. So, okay, sorry. So she's chopping up her chocolate. She's doing everything really intentionally. And she, I think there was a note that said, like, she thought that the use of a white sugar and a brown sugar was inspired, but that it wasn't enough. Now, I will put out there that you can't copyright recipes, that that their list of ingredients and steps. So I guess they were only using one or the other in most cookie recipes before this, which Mm. I'm like, I feel like every fucking cookie recipe now is white and brown sugar. She brought modern cookies into being. It's just wild, absolutely wild to think Mm -hmm. about. Another thing is that she was extremely generous. She was also free with her recipes and she... Knew she could make money off of it, but, you know, wasn't as necessarily concerned about it, I think. So she would just give every a hundred recipes a day or something away at one point before she pr- maybe that was before she printed the book. And so she just was like, I should just put it in a book like I should put She's my like, recipes in a book. Actually, it's a lot of work to do this individually. I'm just going <laughs> to put it in one and call it a day. Call yeah. it a day. <laughs> but we're, we're so, really kicked it into gear with the cookies and how the whole Nestle Tollhouse cookie came about is that because she had given out all these recipes and this was around World War II, lots of people were making these cookies and sending them overseas to their, you know, relations who were fighting in the war. They started to gain demand. So then people were like buying so much chocolate, chocolate chunks and things that Nestle was like, what's going on here? Like that was how much her recipe drove sales of chocolate is that they actually the company actually noticed they were like what what is this (laughs) it said they completely outbalanced the sales and the distribution throughout the u.s in this one tiny weird region of massachusetts that's like on the road between two cities like (laughs) what (laughs) they were like what's the deal here and so Andrew Nestle came to Ruth Wakefield and she just gave them the rights to the recipe for a dollar, which is unconfirmed. I don't know about that part. Like this is the, this is one of those might be lore things, but she did in fact, then get a lifetime supply of Nestle chocolate. I mean, boss. At the time, you're not thinking about your copyright and trademark into the future. So getting a lifetime supply of the one ingredient you need the most is bravo, 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 (laughs) bravo, bravo. bravo. We we approve. (laughs) Yes, we approve. And like Gretchen said, though, Nestle also started making chocolate chips. And then they would market the chocolate chips and print that recipe on the back, which is how we know the Toll House cookie to be associated with Nestle. Mm -hmm. But let's get that Nestle out of there. This is the Ruth Graves Wakefield cookie. I really do. I think, I think they should do a campaign about her. Like it's That would be cool. It's that would. Give her some fucking credit. I agree. Let's get some credit. We need to make this a movement. We're doing this. We're doing this. I don't know how we're doing this, but we're doing it. It doesn't matter. We're doing it now. We said it. So Nestle bought the trademark. They own it today. And Chocolate chip cookies, obviously still a favorite. They own the Toll House trademark. 
That was what she tried. She oh. had trademarked. So she sold the Toll House trademark to him. I see. Not because you you can't sell a recipe. So, right. she, so she had trademarked the, toll the, rest, the Toll House. Sorry. Just want to make sure oh, that okay. was clear. Thank that you. That she had owned that term as her trademark. So she sold them the trademark so that they could sell more cookies. So chocolate chip cookies, still one of the number one top cookies for anybody. And it grosses about 18 billion in the U.S. dollars alone on chocolate chip cookies. Wild. And now we also know, I think I might have talked about this in an earlier earlier recipe, earlier episode about how I discovered this year, chocolate chips have less cocoa butter in them than regular chocolate. So if you're trying to temper chocolate chips, can't do it. (laughs) I wonder what the makeup of the chocolate bar was at the time that would be interesting to know too but i don't know if we'd ever be able to like i mean they probably actually though they'd probably be able to figure it out because they probably have sort like recipe sources i if they have any kind of historian at nestle they'd probably have some records Mm -hmm. from then but let's email them ask for that info and tell them to pay all their workers a lot more (laughs) she's amazing obviously the chocolate chip cookies amazing (laughs) hello we love chocolate chip cookies we have three times now made our super thick chocolate chip cookie together. Is that right? Three attempts. Three attempts. Three attempts. Yeah. How does, like what, in addition to just creating the fucking chocolate chip cookie, what makes this like a little bit more unique? Like what else did Ruth bring to it? So we mentioned like the brown sugar and white sugar combo. The chocolate chip. That had been <laughs> happening, the chocolate chip. So she also, most chocolate chip recipes these days, are uh, you make the cookie, it's called a drop cookie. You make the dough, you drop it on a pan, and you toss it in the oven. You can make cookies and have cookies within an hour. But Ruth originally held hers overnight. So chilled we did, it overnight? Chilled it or... overnight. So when we did the Leviathan chocolate chip cookies, we did discover there was a difference, just a smidge of one. But for us, it was so negligible. It was like, well, you don't, you just don't necessarily have to do that stuff but she did rest hers overnight then she also they must have been itty like tiny the smallest things of all time because for cookies for cookies because she only used a teaspoon of dough that's like one bite yeah i don't want like that, that yeah. like that make them crunchy yes because they were originally called chocolate like chocolate oh, crunch, crunch cookie chocolate crunch nut cookie do you like crunchy, crunchy cookies i'm asking the hard questions it's so fucking hard <laughs> yes do i like soft cookies yes do i like cookies yes <laughs> which is superior for you it depends on the application okay I mean, like, okay sorry this fair. Is i'm no, too it's fair i do i love if i just am eating just a cookie see but i can't even answer that because like i'm like sometimes <laughs> i want it crunchy sometimes i want it soft i can't be nailed down to just one cookie I'm sorry to put you in a cookie binary. I won't do it again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. But I love soft cookies. I don't want a hard. Me too. I don't want a crunchy cookie. I don't. In want high it. in high school, they had there was a store. So like one of the classes was running a like a little shop. And oh, so, fun! Like that one, Bob's Burgers. So they they can so you, they would bake these fresh cookies and have these warm soft cookies that they sold out of the little store and. I had a, a pair of friends I was hanging out with at the time. So we were like a little trio that we'd go. And I think there were like two cookies in a pack. So we would like split these two cookies three ways. And like every day we had one of these cookies. I mean, they were so fucking 
good. And they were just a warm, soft cookies. But also sometimes I do want, I want crunchy cookies. Sometimes mm. I want that. So okay. I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't be, I can't be in a cookie binary. I'm sorry. Will, it's not, I will it's never not do it again. In my, it's sorry. not in my nature. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then wasn't there something about baking soda? So she was activating her baking soda by putting it in hot water. Baking powder, let's get into a little bit of science for just a second, and I'll try and make this as quick as possible. Baking home powder. Economics. Home economics, the sciencey <laughs> part of cooking your food. Baking powder is baking soda with an acidic ingredient. And I, I believe it's citric acid, cream of tartar. It's one of those two. So you need acid or heat and more, well, acid, heat, and moisture to activate baking soda to its fullest potential. But you can activate it with either just heat or moisture. Moisture is a little harder. It us, usually needs like moisture and acid or moisture and heat to get it to be all it can be. So she would actually add her baking soda, hot water, and, and then mix that into her flour. So it's a little bit of an, an extra step. And I, I have a theory about why she might do that. It's just maybe like the baking soda wasn't quite as pure. So you needed a little extra like bump to it to make it go. So that was one of her techniques. But I'm like, but if you're putting hot water in it, and then, but then you're risking it overnight. I don't know how that works. So, hmm. but you were, I have no idea. I can't fully explain it. It's, it's something she did. I don't know that it's necessary anymore because I've never come across that as a technique before. This was totally something I've never heard of before. So I was like, I did, a little, I did a little research on it last night. Not a lot, just a little bit. But I was like, why would you do that? Maybe somebody knows. Ruth Maybe knew. Somebody knows. Ruth we knew. don't. We don't know yet. I want chocolate chip cookies. That's why we were drinking port because we didn't want to make chocolate chip cookies. And now <laughs> like, I might have to. Close. I know I want to do it. I want to rest them overnight. I want to pay mm-hmm. tribute. Yes. But Ruth was magic Ruth and was. she made magic. And I imagine being at one of those parties in that room full of people with all this great food and little crunchy chocolate chip cookies at the end would have been just quite a memory. Yes, I, I believe so. So we, we used a couple of resources today. We used Wikipedia. We used Smart Mouth Podcast. We used cooksinfo.com, which Gretchen found and had like some really cool stuff that we found or that we used today. Mm-hmm. And then what was my baking addiction.com slash cornflake cookie? What's that? <laughs> because the Smart Mouth, she had talked about on the Smart Mouth podcast. So I, I'm probably, oh, to right. Listen. She was talking about cornflake cookies and potato chip cookies. And so I had thought she meant that Ruth Wakefield had made a cornflake cookie, but I couldn't find any because Kellogg's started in the early 1900s. I guess if Nestle was around. I mean, Nestle was around, Kellogg's was around. Cornflakes were, cornflakes have been around for a long time. (laughs) I was interested because I was like, did she make a cornflake cookie? But no. So I should have taken that out of there, but now I want to make cornflakes. Yeah, maybe we should. (laughs) Yeah, I want that too. Like that sounds, I'm so deeply intrigued by the idea. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we'll share those resources and any other tidbits we think are important on highgluttony.com. As always, kind of, we've been really bad about updating, but we'll get back to it. At some it, point. it it'll be there at some point. Just don't expect it to be there right away. Yeah. Just listen to this again. 
Thank you for joining us. Share, like, subscribe. I think that's everything. Go make cookies. Go honor the Ruth Graves Wakefield. And every time you use a chocolate chip cookie, think about how fucking awful it would have been to cut a chocolate bar every time you needed those. So thank I can, you. Yeah, I can tell you how awful it is. It sucks to cut chocolate. So like, I mean, aside from the snacking component, but <laughs> taste as you create. Taste as you create. Off we go. My Off goodness. Off we go. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>